Hello and welcome to another episode of Those Conspiracy Guys. My name is Gordo and this time we're talking about some true crime stories. Uh, This episode is all about Natalie Holloway, the disappearance of Natalie Holloway in Aruba. Uh, Still haven't found her. Uh, Her and Madeleine McCann are having a big party someplace. But uh, Mm. (laughs) joining that disapproving, hmm, you heard, (laughs) is a love of my life, uh, effervescent force in, in, in my existence. Uh, my companion on the uh, trip to the USA, TCG TV, that's happening fairly, fairly PG, PG cross <laughs> fingers. Um, yeah, uh, she's been on the on the show before. You've heard her on the Fritzel episode. Uh, you you will have heard her on the Jimmy Savile episode. Uh, yeah, she's getting all the airtime these days. Ladies and gentlemen, Claire Fox. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing where's Bobby Fisher, where's Where Madeleine McCann. Were, yeah. And where is Natalie Holloway? They're all having a big mad party someplace. Or they're not. Yeah, or they're like buried More in a unmarked grave. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this this is a real weird case. Um, we did this one on Spin FM, uh, True Crime, uh, back in the day. Mm. Uh, I think it was like this time last year even. And uh, we're getting around to it now. There have been some revelations in the case this summer uh, and at the start of this year. And we're throwing these in. Uh, a couple of new documentaries been made. And it's not really that... Like, Natalie Holloway is not really an easy-to-look-up case, you know? No, there's not a lot of information mm. um, about it. And any information that is there is just head-scratchingly sparse and yeah. also inexplicable. A lot of spurious, like, uh, assumptions and, and, you know, circumstantial evidence that are weaved together into some weird, like, Disney-voiced excuse for a TV show. Just yeah. just one documentary yeah. that like for twenty twenty or something like that is like it, guy, uh, Natalie's body was like horrifically horrifically mutilated like it's too yeah. happy like you know he sounds like not so much Disney to me it's like he wished he was presenting Wheel of Fortune or something <laughs> yeah but uh, but he didn't get that gig so he was determined that no matter what gig he got he was going to use his well practiced yeah. voice well rehearsed voice this, which was like and nobody knows if she is dead. Yeah, it seemed it seemed very uh, like the whole Natalie Holloway documentary was like an a, a, an audition for his next role, maybe. which was like you know something very bright and happy, like yeah. maybe the the elf in Elf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. I don't know, but yeah. I found that it was so weird that there was nothing online. There was like one super grainy documentary on YouTube about like the actual facts of the case and then there was like this new look what happened ne- this summer and it was a thing from the start of the year like for something that was so high profile and i talk about my speculations later on uh, yeah. as to why it was hush hushed but as like will I. an 18 year old girl from alabama goes on holiday to aruba with her mates and yeah. then she fucking like spring break kind of spring situation break. Woo, even though it wasn't spring but like yeah She's just like, hey, come on, we go to Aruba. It's it's uh, like a, a Dutch colony. It's an mm. island in the Caribbean. And it's, you know, it's a... And a lot of people go there. Loads of people go there. Mm. And there's loads of like uh, white Americans that are have businesses all set up there. It's all very welcoming. And it's all, you know, uh, it's multicultural. They have like, uh, as we talk about later on, the Calpo brothers, like they're half Mauritian and half Aruban. And it's like, what's the, you know, you know where, where's the limit to what you can do? These American girls are going over there. Like they're going to... 
I, I don't know, um, Cancun and stuff in other countries and just be like, spring break, here, show me, here's these fresh, it's, it's fresh legal. tits. It's legal you. to drink here. Yeah, like yeah. it's, you know, and th- these girls went over, got fucking smashed and then mm. Natalie Holloway like disappeared. Yeah. And it was laid at the feet, the guilt was laid at the feet of a guy called Joran Vandersloot, which you, you'll hear. <laughs> also, also some of the guilt was laid at her own missing feet. Yeah, we, yeah we'll talk yeah. about it. Not that her feet were, mi- like she, her whole body is missing. Yeah. But, her, yeah, but her feet as an extension of that body mm. or it's as a part of that body. It's very fucking, it's very strange, like mm. this case. And uh, how it all plays out, there's so much speculation, there's so much like, it's very similar to the, I think, like a grown up version of the Madeleine McCann thing where, a lot of facts are known, but no discernible truths can be pieced together from those facts. Yeah. And they know like between this time and this time and yeah. between you know, who was where and when. But, you know. But also there's elements of like, you know, we're led to believe it's a key, Keystone cop situation. Yeah. But I would be skeptical about that. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of these things, like they blame the Portuguese police in, in mm. uh, Madeleine McCann's case. Like these guys... You can see them on some of the TV shows or some of the documentaries and it's, you know, they're wearing like a, a Fruit of the Loom a collared t-shirt with police written on the front of it in like a Sharpie. Like these kind of police guys, they're not really like the crack FBI squad that you need to find these people. But the FBI still got involved. Like yeah. it was investigated, the international investigations, like it got serious and it led to a, like a crazy conclusion, which we'll come to at the end. But yeah. like mental, mental but Like case, I think like, we're led to believe that like, yes, you know, they wrote police on their own T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. That was day one of, uh, yeah. you know, uh, police training. Um, and some of them spelled it with an S and then they had to get a new T-shirt. <laughs> um, but An S and no E. Yeah. Or what, maybe that's what, how... What way are you spelling this police? Maybe that's how it's spelled. That's how you said Dutch. it, boss. <laughs> but, um, but even like the fact that the FBI were involved and still there was no, yeah. you know, clear... Like even narrative of of what took place. Yeah, it's all like basically like throw the bones in the air, and then when they land in the sand, you mm, can like pick a story, like pick anything that happened. I think I would trust. I think if if they got a medium to to like smell her jumper. In fact, they did get a medium. Okay, I like, I think I would have more oh, faith. Oh, she's buried under the bank over there. Honestly, I think I'd have more faith in in the medium. Well, before we get into it then with all the the gritty details, uh, if you're listening to this for the first time, this is Those Conspiracy Guys. Uh, My name is Gordo and uh, we talk about conspiracies, we talk about true crime episodes and if you want to get in contact with the show, uh, we're on all the different social medias on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. Uh, We have our own website, thoseconspiracyguys.com. We also have a YouTube channel, which is, you know, uh, in the a limbo of, of states at the moment. I don't really know what I'm going to do with it because YouTube are acting the bollocks. We have a twitch.tv slash those conspiracy guys, a Twitch page where we'll be live streaming our live chats and live shows. Um, we had a VidMe channel, but now VidMe is gone since the 15th. So I'm kind of fucked <laughs> for, for putting up all those documentaries and stuff like that. I did have a load of documentaries on there. Um, we have the lifeblood of the show, which is uh, Patreon. So patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys. If you want to help out the show and keep the lights on over here and keep the engines running in conspiracy towers. Patreon is a crowdfunding app, if you don't know already, where you can, you know, drop like two, five, ten dollars and you get certain perks. You get certain behind the scenes media. You get like vlogs. From the shows you get outtakes and you get extra kind of a, a super fan 
memorabilia this kind of crack and you also get discounts on the merchandise that we have in our t public store so it's tpublic.com slash store slash those conspiracy guys if you want to chat with us directly or chat with me anyway uh, i'll be on the discord along with all the other uh, super fans the tcg super fans on discord the link is on the website or it's in the uh, twitter or facebook description and discord is like a chat room where you go in and you have a chat it's like a voice and text chat and there's even video chat as well if you're feeling saucy and uh, i have it all split into different channels so you guys can talk amongst yourselves. It's not on the surface internet. It's not like on Facebook and people dickheads arguing with you and stuff. This is like a a chat room of old, like the Yahoo chat rooms. Uh, and you can jump in there and have the chats with the lads. We also have an anchor app where I will be putting up like daily reports on news and this kind of crack. Little two minute uh, audio clips and you can return fire with uh, with your own comments and I'll be able to put them into the channel and make like a little kind of a daily, uh, daily podcast. Anchor is a really good app. I really like it. Get on it and have a look. And uh, we also have a sister podcast as well that talks about movies, TV shows, and video games called Why Press Play. If you want to go over and check out Why Press Play, we have loads of movies over there and uh, a Twitch channel where we stream from PS4 and Steam as well. So if you want to go and check all that stuff out, send us an email. If there's anything we missed in the show, I'm sure there will be. There's fucking loads about this case that could be said. Uh, like, literally, I'd say we could do this for four hours and still get no further than uh, the Aruban police or the FBI. But uh, if, if, if we miss out on anything, if there's some detail that you found somewhere in a documentary or in some document you read, you can send us an email, info at thoseconspiracyguys.com and let us know what the crack is. So Claire, tell us. Uh, Natalie Holloway, she came from she came Alabama. From, yeah, she came from Mountain Brook, Alabama. Mountain Brook, Alabama. Yeah. Um, Will I do the whole rest of the show? like this i would love that anybody from alabama's gonna be real upset with me right now yeah so maybe you shouldn't maybe you should just have some chocolate yeah <laughs> shit happens sometimes people go missing <laughs> so she she went sorry on this i'm not laughing with. about her going missing i'm laughing about my okay. bad tom hanks yeah, impression it's okay she's um she's got she's not listening she to could the be episode. listening yeah, you don't imagine. know you don't imagine. know Dear Dose conspir- Conspiracy Guys, I didn't like when you were all joking about me going missing. Yeah, I don't think she sounds like that. No, probably not. So she um, had just completed her leave insert. Um, well, for high school. She just graduated from high school. Yeah. And I'd say she must have been a woman of means because um, at 18, I certainly wasn't hopping on a plane. Uh, to celebrate the end of my um, second level education. Jez, I was hardly getting on a bus to go into the town to have yeah, a drink. Yeah, same. Um, but is, it, is that a thing that American students do, that they just like, I, I save would, up? I would say that some of them were, were able to afford it. I wouldn't imagine that it's the done thing everywhere. Yeah. Let I us know. know. Let us know, fans. Yeah, I mean, if you went away, I like a lot of kids since I was in school, back in the day, but I mean, I graduated in 2000 from, uh, yeah. from high school and... Then nobody went on holidays after you finished your final exams. I mean, in the summer before you got your results, before you realized, oh, you know, my life is now have, well, has a glass ceiling put over. But yeah. like in the last five, six, seven years, my my little cousins and stuff have graduated, and they're going on holidays to to Spain, Panda. Or to, yeah, to yeah. The, the I don't Americas. know. Maybe maybe it was just because it was five years later than that that like the economy allowed for it. But yeah, anyway. Whatever the reason, herself and a few of her mates decided um, they were they uh, booked this all all inclusive um, resort holiday in Aruba. Yeah, bed, board, kidnapping comes free. Yeah, but alcohol was included in the bed and board. Yeah, and that's, that's always a dangerous thing it's with eighteen year olds, especially like in Ireland. 
you know, most 18 year olds have been drinking for about three years. Yeah. You'd be fed up with drinking. Yeah. You? But in America, like they're not allowed to drink until they're 21. So I'd say like, you like limitless alcohol. Um, I would say a lot of people on that trip would find their low, their first low in terms of like drinking. Yeah. Like the, their first awful experience yeah. of waking up of on the like beach that, with no clothes that, on. And yeah. Or like, oh God, I, you know, I really let m- let myself be vulnerable there. And, and yeah. if it wasn't for the decent people around me, that could have gone really badly. I'm guessing it's like one of those package holidays that kids go on like, you know, when you're going on the 18 to 30 tours, you're going like, we're all off to sunny Spain. Yeah. And it's just like sugary drinks yeah. where it's just like shit vodka, like Stalachnikov. Yeah. Uh, I went poured on a- into like orange juice with like some sugar on shitty plastic glasses. And you're just like hopping it into you to yeah. get fucked. I went I went on one of those when I was about um, 22. Yeah. And, and still I was too old for it. Like yeah. I was only drinking about three years and I was like, there was way too much sugar. There was way too much alcohol. And Maybe it was, it's not that you were too old for it. It's just that you had a little bit of um, self-respect, I want to say, is no, the thing. Maybe not. Like uh, the, no, I'm not even going to claim that I was mature as such, yeah. uh, like per se, but like. That wasn't fun for you. It's still it fun was for just, other people. Y- right? Yeah, it was just like, I remember the tour guide we, was in Greece and the yeah. tour guide kept going, welcome to Hassanisos. We're going to have such great time here in Hassanisos. <laughs> and I was just like, if that woman doesn't stop saying that in that accent, I'm going to leave. I'm, I'm finding this really difficult to listen to so then she kept trying to sell us more trips and more alcohol and going and we're going to go on a boat out of for a sanitas and we're going to drink loads and all this and we were like whatever you're doing let us know and then we'll do the opposite of that <laughs> because it's just painful yeah, yeah I mean if you're if you're at that crack though I mean setting the scene for Natalie Holloway's yeah uh, uh, different situation I, I would say like questionable questionable sounds victim blaming but I, I would say like irresponsible behaviour no I, I would say typical, typical she's 18 but she's also 18. it doesn't the fact that she got kidnapped and possibly like sexually assaulted and then murdered and then disposed of like that doesn't make her actions irresponsible I mean there's loads of times when I was being a typical 18 or 19 year old getting fucking hammered but the way I was drinking and what I was doing was completely irresponsible because yeah. I was like without in that, like, that's what I mean like it, it, it's irresponsible but it's also typical yeah. especially when like they're legal technically so yeah like this is the first time that people can't go no you're not getting that because you're not on you know you're not the right age like so that they're like I can drink as much as I want yeah. not that it mattered apparently it you know whether even if you weren't yet 18 it wasn't it didn't seem to be enforced very strictly over in Aruba and, and she didn't have any kind of older siblings either to to, to meet her her uh, you know attitude towards alcohol or yeah. drugs or whatever she was the oldest of two yeah. and she had no bigger sister to go like okay so uh when y'all drunk make sure you know you keep your keys each one pointing out of a finger when you're on the walk home so if someone comes up behind you you can just slash their face with your keys That's like something tip. like that this kind of I must do that the next time you come at me <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no uh, there's no older sister there's nobody teaching her how to yeah. be all her friends like when you get girls away like that for the first time away from home they're gonna go wild and uh, what they did do was drink in these like uh, resort type bars right yeah like they were you know they, they were able like so there was like a beach and it was all kind of in the one area you yeah. know so like they could have been at the away pool away from the locals oh, yeah. fucking annoying everybody yeah yeah um, 
Yeah, they didn't want any reality seeping in. Like yeah. they had paid good money to just be with Sunshine other beaches. with other um, people who could afford this. Um, so they might have been like sunbathing from say midday when they got up um, out of the pool or at the beach, um, you know, dipping in and out of the ocean. But like definitely starting the slow drinking, we'll say the day yeah. drinking fairly early on. And it was with those like sugary spirit drinks and it was kind yeah. of like cocktails and this kind of stuff. Yeah. So that should creep up on you. You'd you be see, f- the thing is like, you know, you yeah. could drink um, an alcohol pop and, and feel like you just had a Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Um, like that's an iced sugary drink for, yes. you know, well, what would you call it? Generic, generic flavored ice tube. Yeah. Like, f- yeah. Yeah. Um, so like you a could cool be, pop. Yeah. Cool pop. And you could be drinking like and with enough ice in it because the weather's yeah. you know it's quite warm you wouldn't feel it and you're just going i'm just kind of i'm just hydrating you know yeah, yeah. um and you don't realize like there's a good decent maybe two measures of vodka in that drink yeah. because it's all sugar and like it hits you all of a slap you know and and i would imagine that that kind of stuff but also i think that she was probably really letting her hair down because by all accounts she was quite the student yeah like she was on the honor roll you know she um think she was a cheerleader she was one of the the upper echelons of her high school yeah. anyway. like her her parents were pretty like well to do yeah her her mother uh worked in the school system in mountain brook so there were you know mm. they had all these kind of notions but she also had to keep up to a certain standard I, I would i would think that she had been under an amount of pressure you know like you would expect yeah um and i'd say this was a big like Letting it all, yeah. you know. Um, well, Mountain Brook is a, a, a suburb of Birmingham and mm. like Birmingham is quite, um, how to describe it, w- uh, w- white wealthy, right. like old old money, Alabama kind of stuff. Mm. So they were all, you know, uh, anybody out from Alabama that's listening to us, you can <laughs> re-educate me on that. But mm. uh, Birmingham is supposedly like a more affluent area. She's from there. She's blonde. She's white. She's good looking. She has the world at her feet. And now she's in Aruba. Party time. It's a yeah. Caribbean island. It's uh, under the under. It's a constituent country of uh, uh, the Netherlands. Mm. So like it's Dutch, uh, Dutch ruled or whatever. So there's a lot of. It's not like going to Jamaica where they put you in a compound and cover you in chicken wire to make sure no black people can get near you unless they're giving you like sugary drinks on a tray with a white sh- with a white shirt. You know. Uh, or it's in like Sandals, Jamaica, where it's miles away from any locals or any shanty towns or anything like that. It's very um, uh, disparate from reality there. And the guys that were accused and later convicted of uh, her attack, these guys end up preying on that environment, preying on this like young, good looking, blondie American girls full of piss and vinegar, sugary drinks. You know, spring break. Here's my fresh tits. Mm. Uh, you know, give me some beads. We don't do that here. Give me beads anyway, and I show you my tits. Get some beads, lads. Like it's those kind of things, and uh, it's like these guys came down like Jorn van der Sloot and the Calpo brothers, who we'll talk about yeah. in a second. Like these guys would come down and prey on those. Well, I'd unsuspecting say it was easy women. prey. Yeah, of course. and I'd say a lot of people. I'd say a lot of a lot of people were kind of going, I'm on holidays. Yeah. You know, what happens in Aruba stays in Aruba. Except herpes, because that shit will follow you home. Yeah, and yeah. all of the other STIs. Yeah, but, you know, you yeah. can get tablets with the rest, but herpes. Yeah, you can't get... That's yeah. not just for Christmas. Yeah. Okay, go on. So tell us, like, the timeline of the actual stuff that we know that happened, like her, her last living moments, right? Okay. Where she's in Aruba, mm. some shit happens, she meets the boys, and then... 
gone. So what exactly happened that we know as a fact? Yeah, well, on May um, 26th, 2005, uh, she landed in Aruba with her class for some partying to celebrate their graduation from high school, as we said. Um, and just like four nights later, so they were bopping around for a few nights, having yeah. the crack. Got comfy, they knew the spots, the yeah. favourite bars, this kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, and uh, so like four nights later at around uh, 1.30 a.m., she was seen leaving a club that they had been to another night and they'd enjoyed. It yeah. was kind of the, the, the spot for the young people. Um, it was called uh, Carlos and Charlie's. And she was actually seen leaving with Van der Sloot, um, And both of them seemed to be under the influence, according to like witnesses. Yeah. So for, for a lot of the stuff that we looked at, mm. it seemed to, and we can chalk this down now to patriarchy, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it seemed to kind of blame her for getting so hammered and yeah. being there. And then Jorn Vandersloot was definitely painted as a kind of a Lothario, a kind of a, a predatory sexual yeah. force that he a would go dog. in there and just yeah. pick like pick some drunk girl, some blondie one and just be like, hmm, yes. So uh, do you want to come back to my uh, hotel rooms that I've got? Uh, I've got this hotel. You know, we go back and do the finger bang. And they were just like, oh, the, an exotic, a Reuben. Yeah, and like... And um, he's white, so he must be safe. Like, it's the... Yeah, it was... It, like, I'd say he wasn't... You know, like, I mean, again, you're talking about um, people under the influence who mightn't have have the judgment that they would have had. Um, and he probably had been pretty practiced. So, like, I'd say I mean. he knew his lines. shooting fish in a barrel, but, like, the yeah. fish were drunk American girls yeah, who, and who by wanted, shooting I mean like having sex with them who wanted a bit of romance and he probably knew exactly what to say yeah you know and his two mates and he had the Calpo brothers Deepak and Satish and both of those guys were his wingmen they'd hang around and often it was said like that they'd you know take a few girls home yeah give a bit of dilly dally like they'd all head off in Deepak's car like yeah. so like three girls for the three boys um, kind of situation um and actually, like, they left in Deepak's car that night. Yeah. Um, but they said that they dropped her off. Um, they claimed they brought her out. Now, wait for this. Now, talk about a line. Go on. Night shark watching. Wow. That was what they claimed in their first deposition. Like, uh, I was innocent at 18, but yeah. I'd still pretty much go, do you mean your penis? Is that what the night shark well, is? I mean, look, at everybody has to have an edge, Claire. Were you yeah. never told, like, there was one line that... that that was used in my life, which was, do you know, do you want to come into my room? I have a, a an old Irish fiver and it has Bobby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> an old Irish fiver. Yeah. Do you, you wanna, crater. Do you want to come in and see an old Irish fiver? It has George Best's face on it. It was one of these very rare printed Georgie Best five pound notes. That and didn't work, did it? Many times. I don't think it was the fiver. No, it was my charm. But yeah. the fiver was a kind of a made up kind of a funny like if, thing. Like if that was a tongue in cheek kind of like a, this yeah. is how hilarious my ju- my line is. Yeah. Yeah. But night shark watching. That's the same. That's the Aruban version of no. a Georgie Best five pound note. I, I don't think so. I think like, I think, I think some people might have been innocent enough to go, oh, night shark. I didn't even hear about that when I was reading I my Aruba so. guidebook. This, this young one is over she's there. She's only 18. I know, Claire, but she's full of want. Yeah. Do you know well, we mean? don't know that. Huh? We don't know that. And in deference to her possible memory, or if you're listening, Natalie, <laughs> it's all good. Call somebody <laughs> uh, if they're looking for you. No, Claire, seriously, like, think about it. This is yeah, an 18-year-old okay. girl. Okay. She's fucking wet thing. Like, 
I know she's dead and all, but mm. we like if we're if we're going to fucking tiptoe around. Don't like the, that description. Come on, if we're going to tiptoe around all of these descriptions and all no, of these I'm different not ways, of saying, I just don't like it. I'm saying if on the show we weren't to say something for fear of upsetting a family member of a dead person that wasn't even fucking listening, <laughs> like we'd say nothing about nobody ever. True, so, true, true. I stand corrected. I'm saying she was a fucking wetting. Her mates were wettings. They went over to Aruba to have a, a few drinks, maybe, you know, fall in love mm. for a weekend or at least like 45 minutes or so. Mm. And, you know, go home and be like, yeah, let's get into the humdrum of college life. Yeah. And bring that kind of sexual energy that like, oh, I had a great time after. Thing. Like yeah. she went off with these guys in the car and yeah, the testimony of witnesses yeah. goes, yeah. she was hanging out of the side of the car going, woo, Aruba. Like she was she was mad for it and she wasn't getting into that car to go fucking night shark watching that's a line the boy said like the Georgie best five pound note that's like hey do you want to go look at some sharks aka my dick in there and around your mouth she was all like woo sharks you know what I'm saying Mm. that was there was there was a definite and I'm not it's not a victim blaming statement there was a definite non-verbal contract there of hey we're going to get out of here the buyer's closing do you want to come back to our place for I've, s- I've said this to you before and I'll say it again. S- I, I, I think 50% yeah mm. possibility that yes, she knew exactly what she was doing and 50% she didn't have a clue what she was doing. She was just going with the good vibes. Yes, and also another 50%, so we're at 150 now. <laughs> another 50% that she was absolutely fucking bananas drunk yeah. from being drinking all day. Yeah. And according to other witnesses, uh, she may have also been on drugs or at least drugged uh, involuntarily but I think mm. it was voluntary drugs that she was on but again yeah that's speculation but it's possible M- yeah very much speculation but like yeah but like I mean she's bollocks her and, hanging and out some the good car, looking guy is like yeah hey, yeah she want to come for a ride mm. in the car we go look at some sharks yeah and she that's what that's the thing that's what it was the Dutch guy was like hey you want to go look at some sharks and she's like oh my god did he say you want to have sex with me yeah sharks we can go down onto the beach and, uh, you know, there's some sharks. So then she started pulling the jeans off him and he was like, what? Yes, that's what happened. What about the sharks? And he's like, oh, hey, I, I'm only here for some sharks. And she's like, yeah, that's what I'm here for too. That's what happened. Oh, Big right. misunderstanding. Oh, okay. Breakdown of communication. Um, but well, your man, Joran Vandersloot, was a dirty dog. Uh, he was a dirty dog. By all accounts, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it, he wasn't his first rodeo. No. Or a second or a hundredth, no. I'd say. And he, he was a, like a pathological liar. Yeah. These Calpo brothers were his wingmen. Mm. They were driving lads all around the whole time. Yeah. I mean. Now they claim, like Van der Sloot claims that she fell down exiting the car yeah. at a very um, convenient time of 2 a.m. Yeah. So they're half, away, half an hour away from the from the pub. Yeah. And uh, mm. and then like, the, like Van der Sloot said, oh, she was approached by a man wearing dark glasses as she approached the hotel. Yeah. This is one of these guys. That, he was witnessed by two security guards. And they said, oh, yeah, that lad, he was just, like, hanging around. It's like, why is the guy wearing sunglasses at nighttime at 2 a.m.? Maybe he just wanted to look cool. Mm. Again, very spurious, very questionable witness testimony. Nobody was ever investigated. Nobody was ever looked up. Nothing ever came of it. Just another what if to the fucking, to the story of Natalie Holloway. Like, some dude in dark glasses. Now, all of these stories are coming from Joran van der Sloot's testimony. Yeah. That lad is 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag he is so full of shit mm. right and the guys who were uh, uh, interviewing him mm. the, the chief of police at the time said in this documentary that we were watching mm. he said he changed the basic facts in the story like the basic bedrock of what happened that night changed 
like unrecognizably three times yeah and then all the little small details like what what time to the minute with the names of people like what they said they all changed he said 25 times yeah. there was important notes and points mm. in the uh, uh the evidence the, the circumstantial evidence that he was given 25 times they changed like he told so many different stories and it's you know when you're a good lawyer you have to have a good memory this guy is fucking full of bullshit he's a pathological liar later on people would would say when we find out what he actually did yeah uh, people would say that he got off on it he was just playing games with those police like yeah. he would play games with the girls in the bars making up a story about who he was or whatever yeah maybe he's just a fucking mad cunt Maybe and like kind of allowed to get away with whatever he wanted to do up to that point. So he was kind of like he probably felt a bit infallible, like, you know, just try and stop me. Yeah. Um, An FBI consultant like who looked at the whole case. Um, One of the things he said was like that would have been his first red flag that your man couldn't tell a straight story. Of course. Like, I know that's an obvious in thing. In profiling, yeah, but in profiling. But it, but even in terms of, as you said, the foundations of the yeah. story, he couldn't keep, even keep those straight. He seems like a psychopath. Like, yeah, like most people would, like, they'd be like, okay, well, I went to the toilet at, at 11. I know I did. Yeah. So I'll hold on to that fact because that's kind of true and it fits in with my fake bit. But like, he'd be like, I went to the toilet. No, I didn't go to the toilet. Yeah. You know. Full stu- 180s on all stuff. of his facts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, why would you do that if not to fuck with the police, right? Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, they uh, in further investigation from mm. other witnesses they found out that there there may be like a much more sinister operation yeah. happening here with these lads like these these Calpo brothers and this Vandersloot that uh, possibly and it had been done before and there was text messages from the computers of Vandersloot uh, when they were all investigated after this case after the case was almost closed mm. FBI came in and they had to do like two three years later had to do some serious investigation and even up until last year there's, the investigation is still open mm. uh, looking through messages between the Calpo brothers and Vandersloot and Jorn Vandersloot was sending them messages going hey watch out pimps are we going to get some bitches tonight to fuck them and the Calpo brothers are like yeah where are we going Carlos and Charlie's yes that's where all the bitches with the big titties does be like yeah. purely but like like messages like I'm just gonna um, I'm just on my way to the beach to fuck someone I'll see you in about 10 minutes yeah like very um, oh I'm just grabbing a burger yeah he was actually grabbing a burger hey you said it Claire I'm sorry <laughs> so, I said it innocently I know I'm sorry to you not to <laughs> okay, everybody thanks. else but it just seems that like these guys had it organised and so organised it was found out by these messages that they had even like a spot like a pussy hut to bring these girls to it was like uh, uh, at, at a place called the Mill Hotel and these three guys Deepak and Satish these guys and Jorn Vandersloot all together would go three ways on uh, uh, paying for a hotel room mm. and uh in the mill hotel and then they get a girl or two or three yeah and bring her back and you know but they even had have, like they even had um you know like a hierarchy like the white girls went with Vandersloot yeah because he he could speak English and he was able to get yeah. the Americans yeah and then like, and the lads were speaking Dutch and French so yeah. they were able to to get the rest of them yeah but it just seems so fucked like that uh you know Joran could uh go in pick some like go mm, they'll fuck tonight mm. and go like and there's lads that can do that I could never do that but there's guys who have like pickup artist magic who can just go in and go mm, who's vulnerable or horny around here and just be like yeah. and just be able to find and it's reading energy in the most negative way yeah yeah. but but he he went into these places he was able to find the girls yeah. they bring him back to the mill hotel there was even testimony of like uh, from the one of the Calpo brothers saying like 
yeah, you know, uh, we had uh, one girl was like f uh, fucking Yoran and one girl was fucking me. And then uh, Satish was getting a blowjob on the balcony. Like, that's how it went. Yeah. That he, they were sending these messages all together. And it was like a fuck hotel. Yeah. So to go out at night to get some, some pussy. Mm. Like, it was all very superficial and, you know, very, mm. very acquisitional it wasn't yeah. for love they weren't finding you know i know and then it, you know you look at a lot of like resorty type um areas where you know people live permanently yeah. and i suppose they all they're That's all the kind of like oh i'll seize this opportunity That's the way it goes that is but the like goes. these guys were not so much seizing opportunities as as really creating a situation where it was all very convenient like the hotel room thing that yeah. was weird yeah but as, as well though considering I mean, they lived there I've been out in nights out in town and, you know, the lads know that their house is a fucking bomb site and they yeah. meet this whopper bird and they just pull out a credit card and just be like, okay, let's go. Get out of town. Yeah, I mean, years and years ago and they weren't like my friends' friends, but they mm. were mm. people I would be in the company of. Right. Partaking in alcohol and uh, narcotics. Right. And then they just, uh, you know, do that stuff and I'd be like, oh, cool. I mean, it happens. And because their bed isn't clean? No, because they'll probably live in a shithole because they spend all their money on drugs. Oh, <laughs> but right. at the same time, you know. Okay, so that's that's not crazy. Yeah, I mean, these guys aren't going to fucking... If they live in Aruba, they're not going to... Like, your man Joran Vandersloot was only a young lad, probably still yeah. living with his parents. He's not going to bring some young one back to his parents' house and be like, shh, like she's bananas. Every 10 minutes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So they're bringing him back to a hotel room and doing all mm. that stuff. Now, he also had been kind of nabbed uh, afterwards for like he admitted to filming in one of these mill hotel sessions yeah. filming a 14 year old girl having sex mm -hmm. with him and he didn't know she was 14 and i was like what the fuck is that bitch doing out drinking in a night out in aruba at 14 yeah do you know what i mean that's probably uh, a ball dropped by her parents there it's not fucking dirty dancing around here yeah. you know what i mean uh but yorn was still a young dude who had you know a bit of a charm he was a good looking guy and he was able to get into these young ones mm. So after Natalie's disappearance, these lads were uh, arrested and questioned, right? Yeah. On, that was on June 9th. So she went missing on May 30th. Yeah. And on June 9th, 2005, Van der Sloot and the Capo brothers were arrested and the focus of this case was on them. Yeah, absolutely. So two other... The last ones to see her alive, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, two other um, security guards were briefly arrested. I suppose we should say... The last ones that people saw her with. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then two other security guards were briefly arrested because they were kind of known for cruising for drunk girls after the clubs closed. But they were released without charge. But I'm sure there was loads of people doing that. I, it seems like the place to be doing it. Yeah. So I mean, any bouncers out there would tell you that the, uh, the sexual attentions of young ladies after... 3am can be directed in any way yeah it's like a monkey with a machine gun mm. do you know yeah um, a week later a local DJ uh, Steve Gregory Crows was arrested and questioned but he was released very shortly after yeah I really don't know why, but I... This um, is, this is uh, uh, DJ Diablo. Yeah. Do you remember the devil, that guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he was... Who later had a club called Confession Club. Yeah, imagine. Aptly named. Yeah. He, he was in the documentary that we watched from Journeyman mm. TV, and the guy was ringing him saying, hey, people say that they saw you at Carlos and Charlie's that night, and you said that the police said you weren't there, and then you changed your statement. Very suspicious activity from DJ Diablo. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought he should Almost have been definitely investigated. Devilish. <laughs> he was definitely on the uh, FBI 
kind of investigation list. Yeah. They never got to interview him. But he was placed at the bar mm. where Natalie and the lads were yeah. that night. There's pictures of him in the bar that night and he totally denies it. Why would you deny it if you were guilty, motherfucker? Yeah. He, like, he even said he was working when he wasn't working yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So he says in yeah. his statement yeah. that uh, he was out until 4.30 a.m. Obviously, that was a, oh, fuck. Mm. Because the bar that he was supposed to be at, and all the bars pretty much in the area yeah, closed at two. Yeah. So like, what the fuck were you doing two and a half hours? Were you having watching sharks well, down on the beach? Well, actually, um, the lads, uh, Van der Sloot and the Calcutt brothers actually changed their sharks story, maybe because it sounded like they were talking yeah, about sex. I'm not sure. The, the accent wouldn't With get over that thing. That's it. But they were changing their stories frequently. So now they weren't shark watching with her. Um all I can hear is sex now when I say shark. shark. Yeah. Um, but they were dropped off together near the hotel and Van der Sloot left her on the beach. So That's that the was official, the next yeah. story. That, that was that the story that lasted to. for the whole summer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in his in his investigations. Now, in another one of the documentaries that we watched, the police chief proudly announced mm. that he kept Van der Sloot there for hours and hours and hours and he nearly broke him. Mm. But instead, Van der Sloot was able to, like a genius be able to make up all of these alternative timelines and all yeah. of these different stories and have everything fit to suit him as more and more evidence became clear. So he obviously was ahead of the game to know exactly what happened. So when other people were telling, well, we just talked to this guy over here and we're coming back to you, Van der Sloot. You said that this happened and this happened. What about that? And he's like, well, actually, I can uh, totally explain that away. And he just fucking totally explained it away. Mm. And these cops were like biting their knuckles. He said that they drove... A certain amount of the way. Yeah. He got to the beach, down by the fishermen's huts on the beach, near enough to Carlos and Charlie's, and he had her on the ground. And he was, you know, playing the lady harp, mm-hmm. giving her the fucking, right? Mm-hmm. And she was loving it, but she was falling in and out of consciousness because she was bananas. Yeah. And we all know after a few drinks, we were a little bit drunk and we get a little bit of a ride in a warm car, we started to get a bit sleepy. And then you're dragged onto the beach by three men and you're like like forcefully semi-unconsciously fingered. Like we've all been there. And then he just went, oh, she passed out. So he wasn't going to do any sex stuff to her. Yeah. So he just got up and left her there. Were the two lads waiting in the car? Was he like, hang on a minute, I'll just ride her and I'll leave her and be back in a minute. Like a lot of stuff happened in that 45 minutes yeah. that nobody knows about mm. what really happened. Only Jorn van der Sloot and maybe the Calpo brothers. Mm. And no one else in the world knows it that's alive now. Like, weird. Yeah. He said he got her on the beach, doing some, like, fingering stuff. She was falling asleep. Then he bounced. Mm. And left her there. And that was his story for the whole summer. Yeah. Seems to me that she could have woke up. She could have went back to her hotel. Somebody else could have came along and found her and went, oh, you know, free body. Yeah, there was there were there had been an issue like nine days before her arrival. Yeah, uh, in Aruba with another lady, coincidentally enough, at one of those huts where she was like looking for seashells quite innocently. Yeah, um, like just after the sun rose, like taking an early walk on the beach, and this guy who had no pants, no underwear, no not none, not no, only a horn. Yeah, <laughs> and a car running. Yeah, tried to get her into the car. Tracy Allen was that woman's name. Yeah, and she said, uh, like I, I saw her on the on the video, and she inappropriately, I think, wearing some dreadlocks. Not right, you know. I I have to say, Tracy, like leave it straight, like don't don't be wearing dreadlocks. And she was saying that uh, as her walk down the beach was completely unimpeded by anybody, mm. 
but on the walk back this guy had driven the car out to block her way to get back yeah. to the hotel yeah. and had the doors of the car opening with, with the horn yeah. and he was like come on bitch and she, she for four minutes she stared him down and called for help I'm and assuming it, she was struggling yeah. yeah well I guess she they were doing the whole oh yeah. like dancing but she to could the definitely side. identify him she was 100% yeah. sure that she could identify him and did yeah she she reported it to the police mm. and people came along and your man got spooked and he drove off mm. she said and gave a report to the police she said it was a 25 year old dude with dark hair and dark eyes and octagonal glasses she got a photo fit done mm. and then they were able to put together a, a, a lineup and during the lineup Tracy was able to uh, pick the man out of the lineup but after he was identified by the victim he was allowed to be set free yeah. And he went to Colombia. It was, it was a really weird thing because they didn't realize that they already had him in custody. Yeah. Because he had um, outstayed his his visa. Yeah. So they were already kind of in motions to deport him, I'd say, anyway. Yeah. And then when they went, actually went like, oh, yeah, is he still in custody? No, he's not. Oh, where is he? We can't find him. Gone. He's gone. Mental. Like that seems like. Like they already had him. Mm. Then they released him. Yeah. Had him in a lineup. Tracy Allen identified him yeah. while he was uh, like. Uh, I'm not sure that he was in a lineup. She she, she identified no, she him saw the, from photographs. Yeah, the photographs. Yeah, yeah. But the photographs were from like a photo lineup, yeah. or whatever. And she was like, "That's the guy. That's the guy." They had him for having no visa, mm. right? And while he was released, like from being held for having no visa, yeah, he ended up doing this thing to her, possibly picking up Natalie Holloway on the beach and throwing her drunk in the back of his car. And getting what he what he tried to get off Tracy Allen, but he had no resistance from Natalie Holloway because she was bananas at four in the morning. Like that's fucking. Where? Why didn't they look for that guy? Do you know why are they still not looking for that guy? But also, Van der Sloot might have known. Like, think about it. Like, he's a local. Yeah. Um, it's not outside the realm of possibility for a Tracy Allen story to have hit the news, the local news, or at least the newspaper. Um, so he might have been like. That's a good story to go with because I heard that somewhere. Yeah. That there was a guy down at the hut. That Vandersloot is like, I'm yeah. blaming on this so guy. So if I've left her down at the hut, what can you do when you live in a shoe? Would you imagine that uh, that the, the octagonal glasses man, um, he, after doing that thing to Tracy Allen, mm. then he saw about Natalie Holloway and heard on the news. She was found with a fisherman's huts and he's like, oh, oh man, I'm done. F- that fucking shit I did the other morning, I'm definitely going to get blamed for this. Yeah. I'm out. And he's gone on a plane to Colombia. Who knows? We'll never know. Yeah. Well, we'll have to find that cunt. Like, yeah. they know who he is because they had his name. Yeah. They had his photo and they had his account that he didn't have a visa to be able to be in Aruba. Like, yeah. Wh- wh- why are they not still looking for him? Interpol or the FBI or CIA or something like they that. They weren't too pushed. Well, yeah. I don't know, man. So the alternative then from the left on the beach story yeah. is that she got up. Yeah. And walked back to her hotel room. Yeah, so um, Natalie's room was opened um, in the hotel three times with her key card during that night. Like they could tell, you know, that her room yeah. had been accessed. So maybe she did wake up from the beach. Yeah, and now this was at the time like that they can't account for. We'll say yeah. the, you know, between... Two and four. So. Two and 4.30, yeah. So, you know, there's lots of uh, theories posited about that. Like, for example, like a friend could have had her card. Yeah, did they swap cards? You know, were they kind of messing around, like that kind of stuff. Mm. Again, it could have been like the person who did something to her, um, you know, seizing an opportunity for maybe like, okay, now I know I've disposed of her. She's not going to be in that room so I can have a look and see, is there anything worth robbing in the room? Money, yeah. whatever, valuables. Um, there's lots of different, you know, ways that it could be explained. What's really strange is that they didn't actually 
like ask the friends. Yeah, didn't interview them. Like instead of like, you know, if that's me and I'm thinking like, say, for example, the most recent hotel stay I've had, like my sister went into the room, my other sister went yeah. into the room. And you can even guess around before midnight, after you midnight. You know, while I was downstairs. Yeah. So like you'd think the first thing you would say is, come here, like who had access to her room? Did you go into her room last night? It's one of the basic stuff. Like you have to get the timeline of events like that's a bit like the yeah. basic investigation stuff yeah. and they just were like oh what are we doing i don't know like maybe they didn't have that many cases of of that type in that area yeah i also think it's strange that like you know she walked like if, if she did go back to her room if she did wake up on the beach and go oh sketch going back for a shower um and did go into her room and for some reason left her room again but why would she be in it and out of it three times like that's confusing yeah um but like, even if she did do that, like, why they didn't have any CCTV of her? I wonder was any of her clothes missing or mm. any of her luggage missing? Mm. Like, nobody has said that maybe Natalie Holloway just had had enough, and she woke up on the beach and went, "Oh my life, fuck my life, I'm I'm gone." Yeah, and just went up and packed her bags and just fucked off someplace. Well, she, I don't think she packed her bags. I think her stuff was still there. Yeah, <gasps> nothing was robbed. Well, I yeah. don't know. It's very weird. I mean, who's going in and out of a hotel room three times between two and four in the morning mm. using Natalie's key card? And it was identified as hers. But like you said, the police didn't ask the friends, did they swap? Mm. I don't know, man. Like, were they in the in the hotel and they were down in the hotel lobby getting drinks because the bar closed? Were they in for the, for the after hours drinks or mm. something like that? Is there any such service in that hotel? But none of that information is available. And none of the uh, testimonies from her friends or anything are available because the fucking police didn't ask. Yeah. So it's all speculation on some PBS documentary. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's actually bananas what was left out. So for the arrests then, we talked about DJ Diablo. We talked about Van der Sloot and Calpo getting getting pinched. And uh, like all of, all of these arrests, Claire, came from the testimonies of uh, Deepak and Satish and Joran van der Sloot. Like, both, like three of those guys changing their stories all the time like you know being totally sketchy being interviewed for hours and hours and hours on end and then being released and then you know th- these kind of stories to try and put something together really fucked the police up i think and well uh, i i think they one of their mistakes was was being a bit too cocky in the beginning if it was me i'd be going okay we have a we have a fair idea of of who who's you know guilty but let's get as much evidence as we possibly can. Yeah, of course. Instead, they were like, we got him. Sit back and relax and order the donuts, boys. Yeah. Like, I shot the clerk. What? I shot the clerk. That kind of shit. Yeah, like, they didn't look for any CCTV footage until three weeks after the incident. Yeah, and it was all recorded over. Yeah, because like most um, of like most CCTV um, videos are kind of on a two week loop. Yeah. So they'll just go back to the beginning and record over like unless somebody has access, tried to access the tapes before that. But I can't remember how, but I knew that. So I'm not a police person. Yeah. So how I mean, did, we're how, sure we've worked in some retail environments where there's security cameras and you know how they work. Like it's. Yeah, but also that like is that not the first thing you do is of go course. there's a person missing so in the 48 hours since she hasn't been seen let's let's try and pin her down everywhere she possibly could have been identified from CCTV look at Stephen Paddock the Las Vegas shooter from Mandalay Bay yeah they still don't have footage 
of him anywhere near in or around the hotel carrying a gun going through the lobby being in his room walking the halls hundreds of cameras all around the whole of las vegas and not fucking one of them has him walking with anything that may look like a rifle and yet the lad that exploded the other day in new york yeah a couple of weeks ago uh like they had him on the day they had fucking footage of him blowing up like a packet of crisps that you mm. squeezed too hard you know like on the day yeah. they had footage of him and yet there's nothing of Stephen Paddock so if there's no video evidence of her it could be on purpose this could be like one of those rinky dink like let's put it down to police you know incompetence but, that's but what it I could mean. be somebody covering some shit up now the main the main suspect in this case is Jorn Vandersloot yeah. his dad's a judge yeah he's got contacts like you know, he, Paulus he, Vandersloot was a big was a big dick in Aruba like yeah. he knew the fucking crack and and Euron is has the confidence of a very privileged young male yeah and a, like a, a psychopath yeah yeah so he's pretty confident that um he's you know gonna get off I think well from his own testimony he tied himself up in knots but the police mm. couldn't put that on him one way or the other no. and I think when you know you've no evidence you've no evidence unlucky yeah. son yeah. like you can say that and you want to the police and they'll never catch you but they did have one eyewitness that placed him at the scene of the crime right yeah a gardener from a nearby country club um, said that he saw van der Sloot driving into the club on the night of the disappearance at around 3am because she said he wanted to play nine holes <laughs> a jogger claims to uh, have seen him actually um, well seen a man burying a blonde haired woman in a landfill later that day so that all sounds very mm-hmm. like oh yeah I saw that oh why do you think that pertains to the case <laughs> like these oh, fucking joggers finding dead you bodies you know out. like oh I just thought like I was just running and I, like at first I thought it was like a rare bird and then I realised it was a human head <laughs> and then I went home and had my frosties like it's very but there was strange. there was a million dollar reward for information yeah. at this point. Like this, was and you're always going to have a few mentors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, oh god, Elvis you know. is alive. And I mean, like they didn't, you know, no more than the cops. They didn't have any evidence to say that their tip wasn't true. Yeah. So they could probably say anything they wanted. But if anything was found, you want to say something as broad as like, "I saw her. Where did you see her on the island? Yeah. Whereabouts?" Uh, near here she had blonde hair yeah she had eyes mm. Mm. Yeah. like it's very general so if they did get that they could claim some of the reward but without with, like without any evidence yeah like an embarrassingly small amount of, of evidence and most of it circumstantial mm. uh, they, they had to release the three boys the Calpo brothers and Van der Sloot were given their marching orders and they went out into the public including the mother and father now the mother I think was so uh, self-righteous and just being like uh, we to- we knew our little Yoron didn't do anything and so this is uh, you know uh, the police have owe us an apology and Yoron Vandersloot standing behind her beaming like being yeah. like <laughs> got away with it you fucking cunts like yeah. I- I'm looking at that she was pretty self-righteous really but, self-righteous but you could see how you know her little baby her little Schmoopy, yeah. schmoopy loop. Like she, she might have genuinely thought, "How fecking dare you accuse my son of anything?" Yeah. Plus like, the fact there was no evidence, and the yeah. dad was a judge. So, and she's like, you know, one of the the ladies of of Aruba. You know, her her husband has a bit of power, and she's, you know, how dare you accuse my yarn of, mm. you know, fingering a, a an unconscious girl on the beach? Yeah. Which is what he did, and and but admitted also, to. Yeah, so. I was just going to say he also went on like to do some interviews where he claimed that like. Yeah, she wanted it. Um, yeah. 
to me that smacks of that and the lying and all that it smacks of like catch the, me yeah but also like I can't resist the interviews yeah you know like he's like it's almost his downfall that's the thing he, he put himself out there put his head above the parapets and said like look into me I'm going to be fucking smiling about this yeah. I mean at least like John Bonet's JonBenet Ramsey's older brother knew to fucking keep his mouth shut until he was in his late 20s and all the evidence was definitely gone like yeah. he's coming out on Dr. Phil smiling like a fucking mental patient yeah. being like yeah I didn't do anything I didn't do anything yeah. which is just painted smile you know yeah. like just like smile like was, it's Christmas this guy was out like before the end of the summer going oh, yeah well I mean she was ha- she was hammered yeah. I mean she was totally fucked up and I she was like she couldn't resist me I was fingering her and I sound I, like I sound like a bad bond <laughs> <laughs> like she, she couldn't resist a, a Dutch Sean Connery um, yeah so it's just it's just like so brazen of him mm. to come out and say all that stuff yeah. so the story he went with with the press was that he left her drunk on the beach he was picked up by Deepak in the car at 3 yeah, o'clock yeah nice so, respectable guy yeah, he, yeah. he fingered her unconscious for an hour and then was just like yeah. nah, I'm not getting out of this happening see here. Uh, and, but then in court when he was when when uh, Deepak Kalpo was given his testimony he contradicted this testimony yeah. and they were all then contradicting each other when it got to court I think the squeeze came down on the Calpo brothers and they were like, okay, fuck, we missed our telling some truths or else we're going down yeah. forever. And th- didn't they um, kind of uh, allude to the fact that she may be somewhere on the beach? Yeah. Not alive. Yeah. But yeah. there was loads of different sightings of like, uh, uh, last year, I think a jaw, like every so while, every yeah. six or eight months, like something washes yeah. up like a bracelet or, a you hoof. know. Yeah. <laughs> a paw. Is it a paw? What's it called? A hoof? Like something washes up on the mm. beach. There was a jaw washed up on the beach. Yeah. And they were like, it's, oh, it's her. And then the yeah. test is like, no, it's a man's jaw. This is yeah. raging. God damn it. But who, 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 what man? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's not Natalie Somebody, Holloway. Yeah. <laughs> Some other na- na- Don't you know she's the only person. missing person that matters? Yeah. Some guy going We've got going, one in Aruba. We've got one in, in Portugal. That's Madeline McCann. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag find Madeline. Fa- famous, uh, famous missing girls. Yeah. But there's some guy going around Aruba going, hey, hey, but have anyone seen my jaw? It's like, nah, no, we didn't. Didn't find it. Sorry, buddy. Hush, oh, hush up. I've been I've been in soup for the last while. <laughs> I can't feel it, eh? What never never cup of warm water. <laughs> <laughs> so then, almost two years after this whole incident happened, yeah, uh, on the twenty seventh of April two thousand and seven, mm-hmm. the Vandersloot family home was investigated by a team of twenty investigators out to solve this case. Come hell or high water, yeah, big team. Um, Aruba had already spent. Uh, he, I think the guy, the the, the chief of police said, three uh, percent of their entire annual police budget, yeah. which turned out to be three million dollars on yeah. this case, and they absolutely needed a result because it was like one case, three percent of the whole year's budget. Like fuck me. Yeah. So on the twelfth of May two thousand and seven, the Calpo home was similarly searched, but they refused the search. They said you can't come in here because there was no paperwork and. The police stated for the reason to get the search was to get a better image of the place where an offence may have been committed. So at that point, they thought that something had either gone on in either Vandersloot or Calpo's house. Yeah. They didn't know about the hotel room at this point because the uh, computers weren't investigated and stuff. So this is, you know, uh, this, the, the rumblings of their stories uh, coming apart, you know, yeah. like, like wet uh, cotton wool. So in November 2007, after some new evidence turned up, both Calpo both Calpo brothers and Vandersloot were arrested again on suspicion of manslaughter of Natalie Holloway because they were the last ones to see her alive. All the evidence pointed to something you done, you hid the body. But they were released again mm. after only a few days by an Aruban judge because there was insufficient evidence 
that Natalie Holloway died of a violent crime and she could have just been left out on the beach and died from and they couldn't exposure prove that that or natural happen. sources or so, yeah they yeah. couldn't prove one way or the other there was yeah. no evidence and the boys were sound and then on December 18 2007 officially the case was declared closed by the prosecutor so two like two and a half years after she got missing yeah she's dead somewhere we can't fucking prove it case closed yeah now at this point uh dave holloway the, the natalie's father he launched this new search and they they gave out a you know a million dollar reward and yeah. it was all over the American the parents were very unhappy with very how unhappy. it was dealt with yeah very unhappy like and they the were mother, like show me one thing that they did yeah. properly yeah the mother was very effusive on on american news media and they came out and they were doing interviews like the bait the band and all the daily shows she was talking mm. about it the whole time offering this big reward for any information and it it was all fruitless. Yeah, it was all and, fruitless. And they actually and had to stop it in, in like because yeah, they ran out of money. Ran out of money, couldn't do it anymore. Uh, like public, I guess you know it's not like with Madeleine McCann where they're propped up by a, a, a UK government fund that gives yeah. them money every year. You know, no, this was um, early two thousand eight that run out of money. So yeah, and the yeah. American economy was tanking, and they were like, mm. look at. Yeah. fucking one bitch went missing in Aruba sorry lads yeah and I'd say people that might have might have otherwise like had fundraisers or benefits were kind of going no my, I'm just gone out of business so like I can't yeah. donate to that fund sorry tough shit so it was a bad time yeah. early 2008 in America not good uh, for anybody but uh, after this then after this case was closed uh, loads of true crime aficionados started jumping in on this case. They were like, hmm, something, something fishy there. Like, that wasn't closed. These guys got arrested twice, got let yeah. off twice. Like, fucking weird shit going on. Uh, and there was a feature film made. Uh, there was a, a, a lifetime, like, what do you call them? Like, a lifetime daytime movie, D, straight to DVD movie was made about Natalie Holloway's case. And she was, you know, played by some budding starlet that ended up doing porn or something, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of these things like, we have to tell Natalie's story. And loads of people jumped on it. And then one guy who was a Dutch crime reporter claimed that he had solved the case. His name was Peter de Vries. And he came forward with a confession from Van der Sloot, apparently. Uh, uh, Joran, he, he had secretly recorded Joran when he was interviewing him. Yeah. And uh, like Van der Sloot had admitted to like, yeah, we did that and we, we buried her or whatever. And Joran van der Sloot then was in the spotlight again and he came out and he said that this was false, that when he was being interviewed by the investigator, this again, this pathological liar, this psychopathy started to creep out and he admitted to the public, I was just telling him whatever he wanted to hear. Yeah, it was him, like a new, a new story would come out of his mouth every time. It's like almost like, oh, let's see what this one sounds like. But this guy was a crime reporter who yeah. was writing a big story. Yeah. So Vandersloot wanted to give him something to get his teeth into. So yeah. he was like, and then, and then. And the guy was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then he released it. And Joran was like, ah, you dope. That was all bullshit. But because of that uh, recording, the case was reopened that day. Like that's, that's pretty pretty damning on Vandersloot's Well, side, it's right? pretty uh, irresponsible of him if he were innocent. Like, would uh, you well, be doing yeah. that if no, you were innocent? No, shit yourself and say yeah, nothing. Yeah. Don't fucking talk to the innocent cops, Innocent or people. guilty. Don't talk to the cops. Don't say nothing. Don't yeah. say you weren't in a place because if you're proven to be in that place, then everything you say afterwards <laughs> will be thrown out. You yeah. look guilty to a jury no matter what. Yeah. So, this secret footage that uh, De Vries got shows a guy called Patrick van der Eem 
uh, who who kind of sidled into Vandersloot, and he listens to this con- this confession that he gives. Yeah, he, he you know he, he was he was smoking marijuana that night. He she you know she was hammered. He gave her a little bit of marijuana. She started pulling a greener. Then started going into started convulsions and stuff like that on the beach. He tried to revive her. He tried to do like uh, uh, CPR. I know he said ESP. He tried to fucking. <sighs> Oh, I, I can tell what you're thinking. He started doing CPR to her, a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, mm. and then she stopped moving, and he's yeah. like, what can I do? She became unresponsive, and he said, then he called his friend, he called Deepak and said, come here, man, you got to fucking, you know, pick me up. The two of them, Deepak said, you go home, we'll take care of it, and they took care of the body, and like, Vandersloot at this point was 19 years old. Yeah, coming out with this shit from a guy who's quite obviously some kind of investigator, like getting his getting his trust, like leaning into him. Yeah, and he had the world's media at his feet for two years. Yeah, telling twenty five different stories. Yeah, and if he was a, like a, a a psychopath or a narcissist, like that, he would that really enjoy that milk and honey to him. He'd yeah. love that shit. Mm. So it turns out, after all of this whole big debacle and the mm. case being reopened and everything. That Vander Eem was actually an old friend of Vander Sloot and was looking to make a few bob off the publicity of the case. So he got the confidence of De Vries and said, oh, I know him. I'll do that for you. You give me a few bob. And then he got into the papers and they were all over the TV. Yeah. So he himself then, uh, 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 Vander Eem, was yeah. himself then caught on secret footage saying that he knew the identity of the other man and was offered a bribe for his silence. Did he or did he not? Was this like a double, double jeopardy? Was yeah. this like a, like they all knew what the crack was? Was Van der Eem the other guy? Was it Deepak Kalpo? Like who, were they all in it together? Yeah. It's so weird. Such a fucking weird thing to do to this crime reporter who brings this case. Like the case was closed. Yeah. And they brought it all, dragged it all back up onto the, onto the surface for guys that were innocent. They went, maybe we're guilty. Now nah, we're innocent. Or are we? Like yeah. it's fucked up. It's that that's like taunt in the world. Yeah, that's really With strange a, behavior. Like a girl's murder under hands, right? Yeah. Like so, you think if it had been closed, they'd be like, "We're yeah. never talking about this again." Listen, Please no, we got leave away us with alone. it. We got yeah. away with it, right? Yeah. So uh, Evander Eam, uh, like you know, after being caught, then telling you know the bullshit story. Yeah. Uh, this testimony that Van der Sloot gave to De Vries uh, was all thrown away, and then. Uh, uh, van der Eem lost his own freedom because he was arrested and imprisoned less than a year after this debacle because he hit his girlfriend in the head with a crowbar. Oh, right. What fucking bullshit is this? Like, these were deplorable people. These were deplorable people having, like, fucking adult situations with people who didn't want them to be had with and, you know, playing, using people as objects. It was, like, such a fucking weird puppetry game, like... Do you know, with the media, with the reporters, with the police, with Natalie herself. Like, that's a fucking fucked up way to be going on, right? Yeah. Big time. So with all that negative attention, right, Vandersloot was still looking for his bit. Still looking for a few bob. Vander Eem, his mate, had gone to jail. Yeah. Like, he was on his Toblerone yeah. out in the world with a murder on his hands. Quite possibly, allegedly. Right? Allegedly. A year after the case mm. was closed... Vandersloot, because the case was still somewhat high profile, it was an American girl went missing outside of the country, uh, he told Fox News that he sold Natalie Holloway into sexual slavery for money and was paid for his silence after the case became worldwide news accidentally. 
Like, that's some fucking claim to be telling a news organisation. But that just shows you how, like, there, like, there was no limit to how crazy his, yeah. his stories were. Like, a- a- audaciousness of the highest order. Yeah, like, it was like he was like, oh, this Fox News better be a good one. I know. I'll do, I'll do sex trafficking. That'll work. So, check it out. So, yeah, a year after the, the, the case was on the world stage, it was just after being uh, closed. Mm. He He's yearning, you know, for a little bit of extra... Look yeah. at me, look at me, yeah. right? I'm so, not getting any attention. Yeah. So on the 24th of November, 2008, he comes out and tells Fox News that he had sold Natalie Holloway into sexual slavery for money and that he was paid for his silence from the sexual slave buyers. Uh, and like <laughs> his main piece of evidence was a recording he had of a conversation between him and his father. Sounds plausible. And his dad knew about the sex traffic. And now his dad was a judge. And obviously he was getting into him to go like, oh, how can I get, hey, dad, how can I get away with this? Uh, You know, uh, I got this girl, I picked her up, showed her to some sex slaves, sex slavers. And, uh, you know, now she's all over the fucking news. What do I do? So he did this whole uh, fake tape thing with his dad. Turns out to be a fake, like it's fake. Like who, who, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Like he comes on to Fox News. Yeah. And say, uh, and this is a case that everybody would know about. It was famous still in America. It was like just, she, you know what I mean? Mm. It wasn't even a cold case. It was three years old. Come on to Fox News going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sold her to sex slavery. Mm. And, you know, I'm the victim because, you know, I was told, keep quiet or you're dead. Yeah. My father said it in exactly this voice. Keep quiet or you're dead. <laughs> Can you imagine the fake, the fake, you know, yeah, that's, conversation between that's the two crazy. of them? Mental. Like a, a six-year-old wouldn't try that story. No. Because they'd be like, no, it's That's not like really. writing a note to get to get off sick from school. It's like, yeah. uh, dear Gordon's teacher, Gordon cannot come to school today. I cannot. Because he's sick. <laughs> Signed, my dad. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's fucking... Uh, so uh, it, this wasn't his only, uh, you know, quest for fame. Yeah. Uh, another shake of the dice. Another shake of the bag. And like, he, he gives it just over a year every time. And then yeah. he's like... I could do with a few euro. Yeah, it's coming up to Christmas. Yeah, I have uh, a few presents happens. to buy. So in 2010, he came out publicly and offered the Holloway Legal Council the location of Natalie's body for $250,000. Oh yeah, like it's a steal. Yeah, quarter of a mil hmm. for a bag of bones. It's only a quarter of what the parents had been offering at, yeah. offering so at one point. So you're saving money. Yeah. So they transferred $15,000 into his account in the Netherlands and then in a sting operation, another 10000 in cash in Aruba. And when they caught him, he said that the body was buried in the foundations of a building. But that building wasn't even being built in 2005 when she went missing. He just picked a place on a map that was there then and went, oh, that's only new. Oh, yeah, I'll just say that. Like, he's not even fact checking his lies at this point. But he's just balls out. Or is he? Or is he? Because he got, he got, like, he knew that that didn't go with the story. Yeah. So he got no guilt. And 25 grand. I don't think he for a lie. 25 grand though. But like, uh, weird. I'd say he spent a bit of it. Well, he, after, not long after the money changed hands. Yeah. He was like, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I haven't got a fucking red cent. Everybody knows my name. Mm. I can't get any more pussy at Carlos and Charlie's because they're all like, oh, the last time we met, you, 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 the last time somebody went off to fuck you, they ended up like <laughs> buried in the sea or something yeah. like that. So on the 30th of May, 2010, only mere weeks after getting this uh, uh, cash transfer into his uh, Dutch bank, mm. 21-year-old business student Flores Ramirez was reported missing in Peru. 
She was found dead three days later in a hotel room that was registered to Joran van der Sloot. Yeah. That is fucked. You didn't look at that. You didn't know that. I did know that three minutes ago. Yeah, you were surprised to hear it. I was. It's like the twist ending, Because right? he just sounded like he just kept getting away with it and, and it was none crazy. Of those, none of those documentaries made in the last 12 months say that shit at yeah. all. None of them say that shit. Yeah. Why don't they? I don't know. That's That should be like... And the biggest fucking Shyamalan twist of all. He actually killed somebody. Yeah. In exactly the same circumstances. Picked up a bird, brought her to the hotel room, murderized. So he was quickly arrested in Chile and he was extradited to Peru to face charges. And he confessed outright to killing her. They they got the fucking confession. Because they pull your fucking fingernails out Mm. with the pliers, man. Yeah. He confessed to killing her. Uh, He caught her looking through his laptop. What was on his laptop that he was wanting to hide. Mm. Right? Uh, He, she, she, she said to him that she had found something on the laptop and he confessed and he said, okay, look, she said she had seen this thing. It was evidence that would link me to the death of Natalie Holloway. And he just went into a fit of rage and killed her stone dead. And then now they know where the body is, according to Peruvian investigators who were keeping that information under lock and key. And van der Sloot pleaded guilty to murder in 2012 and was sentenced to 28 years in prison. But if they know that, why aren't they letting the poor That's parents? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Why not? Because there's a bigger hand in this whole thing. Hmm. There's something from the top down. What was the evidence they found on the laptop? What was that? What did she see that she had to have been killed for? Yeah. That van der Sloot had to go, I've got away with it. I have a ball of money. I'm in a country where, you know, the, the dollars that I have are worth loads. I could just live here just fucking around, mm. having a drink, having a smoke, chilling, having a hotel room, fucking Peruvian young ones. Like, wh- why would I fuck that up by murdering somebody? Oh, she found the evidence of the weird sex yeah. ring that yeah you know, it, ha- it had to be like like he'd already gotten away with murder but maybe maybe he was like I can do I can get away with it again and now I'm in Peru and they'll be 20 times worse well the big investigation that we saw on the most recent documentary yeah these guys went looking for what happened to the evidence the camera uh, the video evidence of Natalie Holloway being with Yoren van der Sloot what happened between the hours of two and four mm. these guys want to know that thing and they looked up the previous movements of van der Sloot and the calpo brothers they looked up uh, dj dj dj, DJ diablo. diablo they looked up another guy called paul club. paul b right mm-hmm. and all of these guys mr pink this guy was called paul b yeah and they, they looked up van der Sloot's laptop only only in the last couple of years and found all this kind of stuff and this evidence came out then from not from Peruvian authorities, but from other authorities, Freedom of Information Act stuff, that he was in contact with this guy called Mr. Pink, and he was on a website called Reality Kings, which is a porn website, and he was on there, uh, and he had downloaded two films, they said, and he was ch- chatting with someone using the chat in, in the in the website's uh, like chat function or whatever. Like, what would a lad be doing at three o'clock in the morning after fingering a girl on the beach for ages, but not having sex with her? What what gives him the right to go home and download two pornos? Like, what was he thinking? What would he be even using them for? The answer is having a wank, Claire. Mm. Right? But these guys in this investigation have gone, 
oh, there's something more to that. There's something more to that. And maybe there is. And maybe that was the cover that he went on to look like he was downloading to, but he was really communicating with these guys. It came out later on yeah. from confessions that he had fucking filmed a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. In I'd that, say he was filming a lot of people in yes, those hotel rooms. in that mill and hotel. And if Reality Kings was a porn site that, um, like, say, their USP is um, realistic yeah. sex uh, scenes with young women who have no idea they're being filmed. Yeah. Like if there's a market for that and there's a market for everything, then I'm assuming he was getting a lot of, you Maybe know. Maybe he was getting business from it. Like oh, yeah. he, w- he was providing them with material. Yeah. So these guys uh, would, uh, they found all these messages between the Capo brothers and Van der Sloot and they said that they were talking about fucking and taking videos of uh, American girls and doing sex acts and making homemade porn. Mm. But who's to say he didn't video him killing Natalie Holloway and that and was that the thing was she found on the, on the laptop yeah right maybe they were into snuff movies yeah. maybe it was it went a little bit far I, I wouldn't say that Reality Kings like it doesn't seem like a, a website that's so brazen and open that they put out like videos of girls who could very well go in and go um, I was hammered and that guy took a video of me and now I'm on a porn site I didn't sign that and I didn't get paid that and take that shit down I don't think they put themselves up for some legal troubles like that but also they're not but, really contactable so much well in the documentary we found out that they're not yeah but I'm sure that they do have a business address so I don't think that they would like straight up put randos who didn't give their permission to be on the website on the website but who's to say that Vandersloot and some guys underneath it all are not sharing these things of like, oh man, there's this one that she's fucking bananas and we box her around the place in a hotel mm. room and like, you know, throat fuck her or whatever you see in these videos. Yeah. And, you know, or that he's befriended people, say initially through some porn sites. Yeah. And then they, you know, go, oh man. They groomed him to get girls to and come if you into could the thing. Get, yeah. Or if you could get me, like I'm looking for, I'll go directly to you and I'll yeah. pay this much money into your account. If you can get me a video of a woman being killed really hurt yeah i like i mean i i claire you're my girlfriend love my life but i have to tell you i've seen some fucking weird shit on the internet yeah like some weird fucking stuff right and <laughs> these girls are doing that shit voluntarily yeah for money mm. so who's to say that vandersloot can't get this girl and is like come here do you want to be famous like you, they get you into a hotel room and there's some some wild shit being done to to women all over the world for little or no money, just yeah. just to keep, you know, maybe, I don't know, if a girl with a drug habit is going to go and hold this to a room, it's probably not the right demographic. You're talking about like, you know, like like street Yeah, or street he chicks, was secretly like, filming, them, filming them and they had no idea. Yeah, but that wouldn't go up on a public website is what I'm saying. So there had to be some kind of underground right, porn okay. thing going on. But I mean, they said they never worked with him anyway. No, but a man called Paul B, a.k.a. Mr. Pink, who was working with Reality Kings, had a message history with Vandersloot. Mm. And... Uh, like Paul B said he he was never interviewed by the FBI that he wanted to but at the time when he was living in Aruba he wanted to get into porn and he said he never worked for Reality Kings but that has been disproven in this documentary right and when these guys went to go look for both Mr. Pink's previous business address and Reality Kings business address they weren't they weren't there anymore so where are these guys gone like Real weird situation there. That's an extra like sprinkling on top of the whole story. Yeah. Which could mean that that's why it's, that's why it's so difficult to find any information. Even though Jorn van der Stude is like, I did it. This is how I did it. Yeah. This is what I did it with. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. Like the man went down. He's in jail now. Yeah. But he's in jail for killing a Peruvian girl. He's not in jail for killing Natalie Holloway. 
And she still hasn't. And she still hasn't, hasn't been, found. been found. Like, yeah. what, you know, what's the what's the big mystery there? There must be something above that. And I know it's those conspiracy guys like, oh, there's an overarching cabal. Or, but like, if you're into digital porn or snuff movies, like we've all seen 8mm with Nicolas Cage. If you're into that shit and they accidentally like did something to Natalie Holloway or she died from drug over, like they were injecting her with heroin or whatever to make sure that she she w- wouldn't escape and do her fucking doing stuff to her on camera like you'd know that they'd have enough money to cover that shit up yeah. and to put Vandersloot out as like well unlucky buddy you are caught like a big time drug dealer would let the little the little you know drug pusher on the corner go to jail mm. and Vandersloot like basically fessed up and everyone went yeah 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 whatever because he had lied so many times like that they knew it was the perfect cover like give it to this little psychopath horn dog plus they had no proof yeah like it's crazy man I think what's really crazy is that they investigated him he was arrested and they never looked at his computer no that is nuts but they arrested him twice and let him go twice they only really arrested him because he killed somebody in Peru after they had fucking given him 25 grand yeah that's fucking bananas yeah like he nearly got away very very strange very strange and one of the last witnesses that we mentioned because there had been loads of different sightings and all all around Aruba like the, like I said earlier on the jaw that washed up on the on the beach uh, another couple Patty and John Muldowney went to Aruba on a holiday and uh, John had this underwater camera and they took a picture of something and they thought that it could be the remains of Natalie Holloway and that was in 2010 but they didn't go and look it was you know like some a hit like a hip bone or a bracelet or something under the water mm. it didn't turn out to be anything but it was like 2010 <gasps> drag it all back up again that, yeah. same as Madeleine McCann if anyone mentions anything about it like it's all in the front pages for ages because it sells news you know mm. but this one uh, from 2015 a witness called Urian de Jong came forward in 2015 and said that Vandersloot had told him that he had buried the body on a building site where now stands a hotel right mm. and the prosecutor on the case Eric Althoff says that he doesn't believe him, obviously, because he's after telling loads of porcupines. Yeah. But Dijon claims that he saw Vandersloot with his own eyes drag her by the feet after digging her up from the first burial. So they buried her, yeah. dug her up, and then tried to find a more permanent place for the body. He drug her by the feet into a crawl space in a building site as a hotel was being built. And it's the Marriott Hotel in Aruba. And the... Google images show that there was construction at the time in 2005. Uh, the Marriott Hotel refused to cooperate with the investigation or whatever because they'd have to fucking dig up their hotel. Mm. Like, her bones could be under the foundations of the Marriott Hotel in Aruba. Now, wasn't the Marriott Hotel the hotel where Tracy Allen, she was staying in the Marriott the time that she was attacked on the beach, which was nine days before. And that guy had jumped had jumped out of the car and wouldn't let her get back there. So it was close that the fishermen's huts are close to the Marriott Hotel. Yeah. 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 Could it be? Could that be where it is? Like w- but, but what like would it warrant being dug up? Like we're looking we're, we're, it's like, like looking for the bones of Jimmy Hoffa or something, you but, know? But also my point is that were they building when there were people staying there? It could have been an extension. It could have been, yeah. I don't know the specifics of, of yeah. the building, but I know that the Marriott won't won't cooperate and uh, De Jong says that uh, he's seen it with his own eyes mm. like but none of these it, none of these leads are followed in this case yeah like. but uh, yeah and another friend of of uh, Van der Sloot's had, had lied you know yeah so uh, like I suppose they're kind of going like okay do we have to bear the cost of having the Marriott dig up their foundations yeah. to find that this is just another in a massive string of lies that he comes out with once a year yeah because he's not just looking for attention. Yeah, it's totally fucked, man. Yeah. But it, like, it's it's obviously the best way to tell a lie is to tell a million lies. 
Yeah. And then you don't know which one is actually the truth, you know? Yeah. And like sometimes it's, you know, a fisherman's hut. Sometimes it's uh, the building, you know, like he did say that she was buried under in a building foundation. Maybe he's just like, but not that one. Yeah. Yeah. And he told a half truth and people went, oh, distraction. Yeah. Do you know, maybe the first time that she was killed, like immediately she was killed, they did bury her in the golf course. Yeah. And then they had to do, dig her up and go find a more permanent place for to put her body so that she wouldn't be found later on. Yeah. Like. And maybe when he said, you know, like say the Marriott is building like a basement room or yeah. whatever, or a, a bit of a car park. Or an extension or something. Yeah. yeah. But like, it's not obvious because they want to keep it hidden because they don't want the hotel to look like it's under construction yeah. from the guests. Yeah. So the police look at it and they go, no, there's no building happening at that time. Maybe they have different planning permission laws or whatever. <gasps> So they're like, no, the Marriott was standing since 2000, whatever, 1990, whatever. So it doesn't show so up on the records. So he's actually said the truth. Yeah. But he's told so many lies that he's actually gotten away with telling, with confessing. Yeah, it's, he seems a fucking slippy bastard. He, he is, is slippy sladdy. I'd love to hear him now talk about it, like get, get him right in on an interview and, and get him to like go, like, tell me exactly, like minute for minute, like. Maybe he's, he, you know, he's in jail like six years now. Yeah. Maybe he might come out and say, yeah, fuck it. You know, this I'd is what say happened. he'll do a book. He'll, he's dying for a bit of attention, I'd do you say. think? Yeah. He's trying to grow a beard in so he looks good on camera. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's a very weird situation. I don't know what happened to the Calpo brothers. Can't it find is. nothing about them. Very little can be found about this really uh, uh, concrete evidence online. It's a lot of, you know, true crime podcasts talking about the details we're talking about. Maybe not going into them as much speculation or as much yeah. kind of background, but it does seem very odd can't find nothing on Jorn van der Sloot like there's more stuff on Albert Fish and that shit was a hundred years ago than there is on Jorn van der Sloot online yeah. you know it's so fucking weird yeah and it seems to me like um, cover up you know but the more, more people yeah more people would know stuff than, than yeah more people would have seen things more people I know it was the middle of the night but it was the middle of the night in Aruba where loads of people were out partying all night and loads of people have come forward and said I saw this and I saw yeah. that and it was all discounted like yeah. it's you know it could very well be some young lad just literally got away with murder but just got you know got caught for another one do you know what I'd say or the it problem? could be an overarching porn empire is going don't let it be known that I'm fucking Tijuana and you know Cancun and all of these places that are all these holiday destinations for teenage girls where you can give someone 50 bucks and then film them giving you some like sloppy tequila blowjob yeah uh, and then put it on the internet like girlfriend revenge or some bullshit and there's nothing they can do about it because they consented on camera like don't tell me that the millions of dollars billions of dollars behind the porn industry is not able to prop up that one case where the time the three lads were going to town on some young one and filming it, that she fucking died. And they went, oh, quick. And the lads facilitated, like, that this porn industry facilitated them to, to be, like, there's some way worse shit going on where mm. people don't die. Like, that's not morally bankrupt for them to do that. Mm. Or that the Marriott Hotel is just like, listen, I'll just give you money to make this go away because we, we have fucking we hotels all press. over the world. Yeah. And if we have like the dead body, I'm sure there's loads of people dying in Marriott hotels. Mm. You're like old people, you know, people drug overdoses. Yeah. Like it happens all the time probably, but it's not like a world not famous Marriott, murder case. Marriott, any, yeah. any hotel. Yeah. yeah. Like it happens all the time. Yeah. And Mandalay Bay, for example. Mm. No, I'm sorry. And uh, it just, like, it's just so ma massive. And yet there's nothing can be 
can be found. You can't put your finger on anything concrete mm. in this whole massive, very famous case. Yeah. And when you type it into YouTube, you get about 25 two-minute videos, one super grainy 40-minute news report from about six years ago. Yeah. And then like half a documentary from Journeyman TV, which is 40 minutes long, that doesn't even tell the basics of the case. And it doesn't even tell that Jorn van der Sloot killed a woman in Peru. Yeah. None of them do. Like, that's fucked up. That's the crux of the case. Like... Mm. That he actually killed someone and he's actually in jail right now. Mm. Yeah. That's mad, right? It is. It is mad. Yeah. So let's get off the fence. Yeah. Finish this up. Mm. Claire, tell us what do you think happened off the fence? Um, my off the fence is that um, I think she was a, an innocent young 18 year old. Innocent in the sense of like she was just looking to party. Yeah. She probably had a bit too much to drink. As often happens, she might have gotten a bit stroppy with her friends and gone, well, I'm going off with these lads because they look like great crack. And she was having loads of great crack. And they were like, don't go. And then she was like, I'll do what I want. Yeah, yeah. Until the laughter stopped. And, you know, she was never seen again. I think your man, like, definitely killed her. Found a suit. Yeah. And I'd say he did have those two Julios as his little, like, assistants. Because they were, they were, um reaping a lot from being his mates yeah um the backhanders and the yeah and the I, I, i'd say they definitely like he didn't i don't think he did it all on his own i think he had help definitely to dispose of the body twice but um i do have a problem with the fact that when there is a lack of evidence in a situation like this it it goes to victim blaming and i think that's what the reuben police did like immediately and the, the two documentaries going, we watched did yeah but like to the point where they're like and she was probably on drugs yeah I'd say she was on heroin like this kind of ridiculous like um, yeah and what colour skirt was she wearing it was probably really short was it you know this kind yeah. like nobody deserves to go missing slash be murdered you know yeah. no matter how hammered they are and like I'd say there's an awful lot of people all over the world going god that could have happened to me yeah a handful of I'm times of if not more so um, in my lifetime I just happened to not meet the psychopaths you know, um, so she was in a vulnerable situation. For some reason, whatever happened that night, it went a bit pear-shaped. Whereas I'd say he was at that kind of stuff all the time. But the girls just woke up and they couldn't remember how they got where they were. Yeah. And then they just went, I I have bad feelings when I think of Aruba. <laughs> yeah. Bad juju. Yeah. They, they're not going back for the honeymoon like. Yeah. It's, uh, what, who do you think about like about the Calpo brothers and then Vander Eames and all of these guys that were mm. kind of uh, mates with Vander Sloot. There was a whole network of people. Like, do you think the whole thing is to do with anything to do with like porn, that that whole porn storyline that this documentary was trying to lean us towards? Is DJ Diablo and the Calpo brothers and Vander Eames, like, are these guys all in it together? Why I, are they all telling lies? Why I are they see them all being drawing in, like, world media's attention and then telling lies? DJ Diablo definitely gave me a feeling of like, there's something. He knows fucking something. But yeah. also he must have a bit of power. Because like. I don't know. He's working seven nights a week, like. Well, how come they just let him off? Like he wasn't working that night and he said he was. And then he said he was out until half four and the club was finished at half two. That's what I'm saying. Maybe he has protection above him. That's That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You just say this and don't say anything else. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't trust him at all. And I think, yeah, probably a lot of them were kind of this like a group of untouchables, you know. For what reason? But I like, don't know. What they, yeah. Like I wouldn't, weird, I wouldn't go pointing the porn stick. No, I'm just saying that was one of the 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 lines that was given by this documentary that we watched because those guys went looking for reality kings, who like 
like how can you fucking Dillard wanted to have a wank when he went home that's why he, his <laughs> that's why his browser said he was on that site yeah. like it happens yeah um, I don't know if they could find that why they couldn't find um, any other stuff yeah it's fucking weird yeah very weird uh, my off defense would be that I think Joran van der Sloot is definitely guilty something he did made her die it wasn't just drink uh, you know a bad turn yeah you know strangled maybe something happened they were going to maybe they brought her back to the mill hotel and they were just going too hard like we, we'll never know because they didn't do a DNA check in the mill hotel they didn't interview her friends to find out why the key card was used a bunch of times they didn't investigate the fucking area around the fishermen's huts or after the Tracy Allen attack they never put a fucking guard out on the beach patrolling the area because yeah. it's like here's a guy who's trying to get somebody around here maybe he might strike again mm. they never thought to do that I was like what the fuck lads or, or the CCTV footage or CCTV yeah. footage from all the hotels from all the, the, the road stops all these stuff like nothing they did nothing and waited for way too long um, they were never going to find her alive I think she died that night I think Van der Sloot and or the Calpo brothers had something to do I think it may have happened in the middle hotel and when they buried her on the golf course they left her for a day and then a day or two later they got her and dragged her somewhere. Now it could be in the building in the foundations of a building. That's probably the only place to do it. The lad said that maybe DJ Diablo had brought her out in a boat and brought her out into the middle of the sea. Yeah, didn't he DJ on a boat at that point? Yeah, but also he had his own boat and between oh. the hours of two and four he he had loads of time to drive like an hour out into the sea, mm. drop her and let the currents take her all the way out to sea and she'd never be found. And then come back, like, who knows what he was doing between two and four? I don't. He doesn't say. Yeah. Like, he's changed his statement a bunch of times, as did they all. Um, I do think that the accomplices and the amount of people that are willing to lie to courts as well as world media is highly suspicious. And the fact that a, a potentially innocent man would confess and draw so much attention to himself. Like, if you did that in America, if you came out in America and said in an American court, or even on American TV, like... If you were an American, yeah, I did that shit. You'd be arrested straight away. If you said it to a cop, yeah, I did that shit. You'd be arrested and convicted straight away on, on your own testimony. Like, that's it. That's how the law works. All I need to do is for you to say it. Like, you stand up in court. Uh, how do you plead? Guilty. All right, there you go, jail. See it. Even if you're not guilty, you say it once as a joke. Like, yeah. oh, I was only joking, Your Honor. Like, you're fucking done. And he he managed to get caught and released, arrested and, and released twice. Then the third time... Uh, he was caught and he fucking confessed on live TV. Then they gave him 25 grand. Then he went to Columbia and then he killed somebody. Like, that's not the actions of a fucking normal person. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, how did that, how did they let that happen? So, Joran Vandersloot, if you are listening, I suppose you're an ego maniac and you want to uh, hear all the podcasts about yourself. So, send us an email to info at thoseconspiracyguys.com. And, uh, you know, if you want to confess, let us know. Just send us an email. Like, I did it. That's enough. You just put a, or a little picture with your thumbs up. Anything you want, uh, if you're able to get, uh, if you're, <laughs> if you're able to get communications out of a Peruvian jail or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's it for this time on those conspiracy guys. Uh, Natalie Holloway, Claire, it's a strange one, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, bit messy. Hmm. Very uh, spurious. Yeah. No facts. It's hard to, it's hard to piece it all together. I imagine. Yeah, but I mean, it's not on its own either. Like, there's several missing women cases in Ireland. Yeah, very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it for this time on Those Conspiracy Guys. Uh, this has been the Natalie Holloway story, uh, true crime episode. If Anthony said in the episode, uh, you know, tickles your inquisitive bones and you want to uh, get in contact with us, 
same same email for Yorin as there is for you info at doseconspiracyguys.com we're on all the social medias Facebook, Twitter Instagram, Reddit and we have our own website doseconspiracyguys.com check us out on YouTube or on Twitch for any of the live shows or even some of the little vlogs and documentaries and stuff like that and if you like the show and you want to keep it going and you want to give us a hand patreon.com slash doseconspiracyguys is the place to be uh, you can get on there. The links will all be in the description below. And you can drop a couple of dollars in there and get like behind the scenes footage, extra stuff that nobody else gets to see. Uh, you get like secret vlogs that we make when we're making the shows. And uh, there's some other stuff in there as well. There's a secret RSS feed that's only available to Patreon people. You get your own individual one and you can put that into your podcast app. And then you get a whole second show of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, audio f- clips like a uh, like an extra those conspiracy guys podcast straight into your podcast app so you can check that out there and if you want to get any tcg merch uh cups t-shirts hoodies bags notebooks phone cases and you want uh tpublic.com slash store slash those conspiracy guys will get you there and uh we also have a sister podcast where we talk about movies tv shows and computer games call white press play and you can check that out it's great crack and there's no dead bodies and there's no kitties getting fiddled and there's no it's all just like movies yeah it's all light and cheery so i uh, check that out white press play a big orange box you can find it in there uh, any of the places that you find podcasts and uh i'd like to thank, thank claire for sticking with us thank you this is yet again another dark weird mm-hmm. awful thing that you're i mean yeah. Can you imagine your life any I'm, other I'm way hold, now? I'm holding out for <laughs> the lighthearted one. I don't think we get a light. There's no lighthearted conspiracies. We might try something. There should be the like yeah. our Care Bears. You know, where did they come from? <laughs> where do Care Bears get their power? Yeah. It's the Zionists. Yeah. That's where. Okay. Um, but you had we'll, to ruin Care Bears for me. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have some good times when we go to America. I'm sure we'll have some great I'm times. I'm sure we will. Yeah. We do have a GoFundMe at the moment now for the American trip. Uh, the link is below, but it's GoFundMe.com slash tcg tv and what's going to happen is next september fingers crossed hopefully uh we'll be able to go to america start off in california and do a kind of a round trip uh of all of the conspiracy locations we'll do interviews with experts and we meet loads of other youtubers and podcasters and we'll meet all the fans all the people from patreon uh, and beyond uh, we'll be able to get together do a couple of live shows do some meet and greets and then i want to do different uh vlog situations go to all the different cons go to like the mothman festival and hit uh, dallas in november to see all the jfk stuff and uh, be able to go up the mountains and hunt bigfoot or uh, you know visit area 51 all of these kind of conspiracy type uh, things i also want to chase down uh, the missing 411 people and i want to have a look at uh, maybe uh, uh, some of the uh, franklin credit union scandal kids and start looking around baltimore and see if we can find anybody uh, who knows anything about anything if you know what i'm saying it's going to be 10 documentaries uh hopefully more if i'm able to if i if i have the time to make it and uh, they're going to be uh, released in some kind of a way i mean some streaming media maybe like netflix or hulu or whoever will buy them uh, if you're listening to Netflix, uh, I'll be selling these maybe in 2019, something like that. Uh, but uh, I need you to be able to help us fund this trip. So this is a big swing for those conspiracy guys. And it's maybe the last chance uh, for my for my age that I'll be able to take this much time out of life to be able to go and do something like this uh, in this big, huge chunk of time. And Claire is going to gonna join me. Yeah, I'm looking I'm really, forward to I'm it. I'm really happy about it. It's We've very been exciting. planning it for like six or eight months, mm-hmm. publicly for about two months and uh, the gofundme is live now so even if you dropped a fiver if you've listened to this show there's over 400 hours of podcasts if you listen to even half of that 
it should be at least worth the fiver. And I know I've been shilling Patreon and I know I've been doing ads and I know I've been doing all this stuff. I'm scraping. This stuff is just barely, you know, keeping us above above water. This is my full-time job. This is all I do. There's nothing paying the rent. I spent the first two and a half years of this thing doing two jobs, working in a phone shop and then doing like a, a, a an Irish music tour for American tourists. And I did that for two years, like two jobs from nine in the morning to 10 at night. And then still got time to do the podcast. Like this shit is blood, sweat and tears. Uh, it's my lifeline. It's my lifeblood. I love it. And I want to take it to the next level. If you're able to donate at GoFundMe.com uh, slash TCG TV, uh, you'd be really helping us out. The target is $75,000. And that's going to cover, uh, you know, buying a van to drive around in, the gas, food, some accommodations and, uh, you know, extra sundries like tickets into places and, and paying for the uh, the incidentals of a of a pan-american trip um so i want to be able to make somewhat of a decent vlog i see guys doing it like fun for louis and stuff like that and he's getting sponsored at the yin yang i'm also looking at the sponsorship and all that kind of stuff but i want to be able to do it for the people and i don't want anyone leaning over me and telling me what i can and cannot say and in the age of uh, you know uh, citizen journalism and independent media creation this kind of thing can be done there's hundreds of thousands of you out there listening to these episodes and i know that you have uh, a pocket that has money in it so if you wanted to give a one coffee to help a brother out uh, around christmas time go to gofundme.com slash tcg tv and uh you know it's not like you're giving it to me to just spend on <laughs> uh, skittles and uh you know so yeah we won't sody be pops. buying any soda pops no soda pops like this is going to be paying for flights paying for legal fees accountants fuel uh, you know, camera equipment, storage media, uh, the subscriptions for all of the different apps and, and uh, stuff that we're going to be using, paying for computers to edit the stuff on. Like this is a a big swing. This is a big swing. And it could definitely be done. The target is 75,000. If I get over that, happy out. Uh, we need to get to 30,000 by the 28th of February. That's the phase one goal. So please dig deep, uh, see what you can do. Click the link below in the description and donate. Like a fiver is a co- like a coffee, right? What's a fiver? What's a co- like a large coffee in Starbucks? No, like, no, it's decent coffee is about four euro. About four euro. Like it's one coffee for all these hours of podcasting. So, uh, like for, for the four years that we've been doing this, I think uh, this is the next step for those conspiracy guys. So please think about it. Give generously uh, if you can, and uh, you know I won't be going on like this every episode. This is just the first one to say, go and have a look. So thanks very much for all your support. Thanks for listening. And also thanks to Claire for joining us for this one. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Th- thanks very much for being here. It was uh, My pleasure. It was good of you to come in from Happy the Happy to room. help. <laughs> uh, so that's it for those conspiracy guys this time. I'm Gordo. I'm Claire. And uh, thanks for listening. Goodbye.